0: That one more time. I'm going to keep on talking. It's going to come on. There it is. Good morning, Colonial Woods. How's everybody this morning? Great. Good to see you. Turn to somebody near you and say, You look incredible for a Sunday morning. Do that, would you? Just say they're incredible. They look great. You look awesome. This is one of the finest looking groups of people I have ever seen course I got the lights in my face and all that stuff but anyway hey I'm glad you're here this morning if you have your Bibles with you if you're at home take your Bibles turn to the book of James James we're going to start in chapter one going to take a look I, I, I hate to call it a survey I want to look at James's teaching on today's discussion on dealing with relational IEDs, and we're going to kind of see the whole teaching where the rubber hits the road in the life of the believer out of the book of James. A few years ago, I had an individual that uh, we were chatting about some, some needs in their family, and they mentioned something called IED. IED, And immediately my brain was going to those, the, those little uh, bombs that they put, you know, hide uh, when you're we're doing warfare. I think they're called uh, improvised explosive devices, improvised explosive devices. We hear about all the time how people you will know, go out, they'll, they'll be unaware of it, they'll explode, and it does tremendous harm to those in which they uh, explode. They said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. It was called intermittent explosive disorder. It's a medical diagnosis of individuals that, that have a disorder where they, they uncharacteristically, all of a sudden, without really too much stimulus, simply go off. They explode. They tend to become very angry, un, unrealistically or irrationally angry, and then it dissipates, and then they tend to feel quite a bit of, quite a bit of uh, embarrassment regarding it. And it was interesting, when I heard it, I go, come on that's not a thing. That's not a real thing. I think that's called angry. I think that's what that means. And they said, no, no, it's really, it's a diagnosable aspect. I did some study on it. Sure as the world it is, this whole concept of intermittent explosive disorder. And it's interesting, as soon as I heard it, I wrote it down. This has been years ago. I I wrote it down and said, I'm going to preach that someday. Because this whole concept of IED or relational IEDs, it really applies both ways. It's explosive or anger that has an impact on relationships or the things that we do that have a later impact in relationships. I thought, man, we've got to talk about this whole thing. And so today what I want to do in this whole series called It's Complicated, I want to begin to dive into a conversation on something that impacts many of you, either by personal experience that you deal with it or the people around you deal with it, and as such you kind of pay the consequences. I want to deal with this whole idea of anger in the life of our relationships, now, it's interesting because most of us know what Jesus said about this. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to the judgment. Judgment. Now, when we think about anger, I think we always think about the, the hair trigger, right? We always think of the individual who kind of goes off the bombastic, the loud language, the screaming, the yelling, the, the throwing pots and pans, whatever it is. That's what we think of when we think of anger that is, is unhealthy. But anger tends to be kind of like a stowaway. And it's amazing how it can be a heart issue that maybe doesn't express itself verbally, outwardly, but inwardly it is still stored up in our heart and it impacts our relationships. And so I was going through this a little bit. I was thinking of four expressions of anger that, that are pretty typical, pretty common. There's, you could probably categorize them into 15, 20 different, but I just want to give maybe four ways that people tend to express unhealthy anger. And the first one is, it's the maniac. Okay? It's the hair trigger. It's the individual who is a hand grenade. Pull the pin, throw the thing, it explodes and it doesn't care what damage it does and it doesn't care who gets hit by it. It is simply an outward kind of a hair trigger expression. It's kind of what you think about when you think about an angry person. It tends to be volatile, kind of out of control, and does some pretty irrational things. It does tend to die down quickly, which means it often leads to kind of an embarrassment. That's the maniac. The mute. The mute is kind of like a crockpot. These are individuals who are very silent in their anger, but I think we all know you can be angry without raising your voice, right? Right? what do they say? Still waters run deep. <laughs> uh, they can, this is a deep issue. This is a crock pot. It tends to burn for a long period of time. The best way to maybe describe this is it's anger that gets turned inward. By the way, anytime you turn anger inward, you have two dangers. One danger is, is it leads to resentment. It's one of those, it's, it's, a, it's a delayed IED, right? It has a, a delayed impact on a relationship and so very resentful. Or uh, anger turned inward often leads to depression. And so it's unhealthy. Just because it's quiet, just because there's no yelling doesn't mean it's healthy. Number three, the martyr. The martyr is kind of the, it's the victim. It's the, you know who this is in Scripture? This is the prodigal's brother. This is the one who feels sorry. Oh, hey, this is all about me. I know they just kind of become the victim in the circumstance. Uh, what does my daughter call it? Ghosting? Is that what it is? It's like you, t- you have a problem that you've now turned into somebody else's problem and you act like, it's- is that right? I think that's right. I'll figure it out by next service. But, but it's this whole idea that you turn the victim and it becomes, it becomes you tend to withdraw from people. It tends to express itself by withdrawing emotionally and so it has maybe even some subversive impact on a relationship. Almost a passive-aggressive nature. Number four, the fourth one is just simply the manipulator. This is the person who doesn't get mad, they get even. Uh, Lee, Lee Iacocca said that when Ford Motor Company, uh, that when they, he was fired, uh, he just said, I don't get mad, I get even. And it's, a, it's orchestrating ways to do harm to individuals and to try to take them out. And again, tends to be very subversive. Now, those are just four of them, right? But where does it come from? We know there's a healthy anger. Scripture tells us there is an anger that's appropriate. You can be angry and not sin. But where does unhealthy anger come? The kind that's destructive, the kind that tends to destroy relationships. I want to take you to the book of James. And I want you to start in James chapter 1, and I'm just going to kind of lead you through. You're going to notice you don't hear the word anger a lot, but I guarantee it all has to do with anger. And it starts in James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I feel like I should just call the message right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, altar call, right? There probably would be a number who would say, okay, that's me. Yeah, time to respond. He says... um, Be slow to become angry. For men's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Chapter 2, verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment chapter 3 verse 9 with the tongue we praise our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in god's likeness out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt, a salt spring produce fresh water. Now who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by the deeds done in humility that comes with wisdom. For if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil practice." But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, uh, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, you fight, but you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that it may spend, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Now I'm going to stop there for now, and again, you'll notice in this passage, it didn't use the word anger a lot, but I promise you, as one who has been studying this and on a journey on this over the last 20 years, it says a lot about unhealthy anger, because there tend to be, as James indicates, now James is the, is the brother of Christ, half-brother of Christ. He is, he is very much where the rubber hits the road. He's the bishop of Jerusalem. He is is the overseer of the church in Jerusalem. He is a man of deep prayer, but he tends to be an individual. It's very much where the rubber hits the road. How do you live out your Christian life in the everyday? And it's interesting, as he begins to talk about this, you begin to see some unresolved issues that, that really do lead to unhealthy anger. The first one is unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict. Um, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't deny it or boast about it. This whole idea of anger that is stored up in our life now, there's a Greek word for it. It's called orge. Orge simply means stored up anger. It's anger that is long lived. It is the best way to describe it. If you've got a fuel tank on a motorcycle, it is a tank that is very close to full at all times. So when anything happens, there's so much already in the anger tank, it spills over and it's unhealthy anger. Again, this doesn't have to be volatile. This, doesn't, this can simply be a quiet, seething anger. It's not the expression of anger it is the source of anger and it comes from undealt with conflict by the way that undealt with conflict can have happened years ago or it could have happened yesterday at work you come home from work, you have a person at work, drives you crazy. There, We talked about them, was it last week? I think we talked about jerks, people who are difficult to get along with. They are just simply mean individuals. You're trying to figure out how to deal with it. You come home and then you take it out on your family. That is a form of orgay. Now, uh, imagine that that has been living there for a long time. It might be from a previous relationship. It can be a family of origin issue. I watched a biography yesterday of a singing group from the 60s and they're working through the emotions of the family and the family's in disarray. And they said, we we came together, two of our siblings are dead, others who are in alcohol, drug abuse. We're trying to figure out what happened. And they tied it back to some, some source in their life as a family that is paying dividends today because they never dealt with it back then. Stored up. The other, one, the other word, by the way, is the word pikra. Uh, you pick a sweater, it is a picked spirit. It is a spirit that has been harmed and grieved, and it becomes bitter. It's corrosive. It eats away at us. A number of years ago, I did a message here, and I, can't, I tried to figure out when it was. I think it was about 10, 12 years ago or so. But probably one of the best illustrations I have ever personally come up with that illustrates to me what happens when a person is dealing with unresolved conflict in their life and it shows an anger most normal people when they, when they climb a, a ladder will get on the ladder and as you get angry your anger level begins to get up as you climb the ladder I know <laughs> theoretically I can get up on the next step. Practically, ain't no chance. (laughs) Ten years ago, I probably would have tried it. Today, I almost want two guys holding this thing just to go up this far, okay? Okay. So let's say that right here is where you are expressing anger. Um, If you're a person who's the maniac, boom. The Hulk has now been let out. Um, if you're a person who is the mute, you're, you're seething, but you are angry at this point. Now, most people, they rise, slow to anger, right? But as you deal with the thing that makes you anger, uh, angry, you go back down the steps, and so you go all the way back down, okay? You're no longer angry, you've dealt with it, you move on. Next time you get angry, you go back up the steps. Now, the problem with it is, is that there are many individuals, in fact, I would tell you, we are living in a culture right now where I think this has become pervasive because here you are angry and instead of going all the way back down, you live on this step. So the next time you come into a conflict situation or somebody says something wrong, remember that person saying, man, what's, what's going on? They only have one step to go before they are full out angry. I think that's road rage. I think that is what is happening in our culture with the, the, either the political or the racial or the... It is simply that this stuff has... It's, it's anger at a low boil that has a very short step before it goes over and expresses itself. And the only way you deal with that is by going all the way back down the steps. By the way, um, I guarantee I don't want to fall more than you don't want me to fall. (laughs) So I will make sure that I stay off that ladder. (laughs) But that expresses perfectly where some of you live. You'll find a lot of childhood stuff that lives there. If you've been through a broken relationship, you find a lot of broken relationship stuff that lives there. And it boils over very quickly. Number two, the second source that James talks about is unresolved character issues, which in a nutshell is a selfish spirit. Now you're not gonna hear this, it's gonna sound offensive, you're selfish. And that really is the cause of your impatience, your, your pride, your anger when anybody does anything that slights you or makes you feel like you're not being respected. What causes the quarrels and the fights among you? Isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires within you? You want what you have, you kill to get it, you long for what others have, and you can't afford it, so you start a fight to take it from them. That's the Living Bible version of James chapter three, 4, verse 1 to 3. And so I want what I want when I want it. See, when I began to realize this, this helped me to understand where the impatience factor comes from. It is not a type A personality. It is not because you are a D on the disc profile. On the Enneagram, it is not because you were an eight or whatever number you want to look to to make you feel like that's the reason you are the way you are. It isn't because you're Italian. It's not because you're Irish. It's not because fill in the blank. It is because of a selfish spirit that wants what it wants when it wants it. And it's wrong. It is normal. It's just wrong. We do realize that by now, right? Right? Normal doesn't mean it's right. Normal simply means we're human. And if we're dealing with normal human frailties, it's sin. Number three, it is an unresolved control in our life. In other words, the wrong person is in control. Now look what he says in this passage because he says, Dear brothers, verse one or chapter 1, verse 19, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The word that is used there is the word thumos. The word thumos means out of control rage. Orge is stored up anger, right? This is different. This is out of control. It is an indulged spirit. Why do people get angry? Why do people hit people? Why do people smash into cars? Why do people, because it feels good for a moment. This is an anger that has almost immediate regret because you know consequences. But there's a reason we do it. It is a fully indulged spirit. Now here's the deal. when when the Word of God talks about living under control, it is not talking about living by your own nature. It actually means submitting to the control of the Spirit of God in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, it's interesting how Paul addresses this he says the acts of a sinful nature if you don't like the word sinful uh, use the word human okay this is the acts of a human nature a sinful nature a carnal nature nature a fleshly nature they're all the same concept all the same word it says the acts of a sinful nature are obvious sexual uh, immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft now get this hatred Discord, jealousy, and fits of rage are a result of what? A a heart and a life that is not submitted at that moment to the Spirit of God working in our life. By the way, he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, James says the exact same phrase. He goes, "Uh, uh, good fruit, it produces good fruit, chapter 3. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's the last one? Self-control. The Living Bible says it this way. But, those, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit. And so there are some that I'm going to blow your theology here this morning. There are some that believe they are filled with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, but you are showing out-of-control anger. And I will tell you, those two things are absolutely inconsistent. Inconsistent. It doesn't mean that you don't have the Spirit of God, but I'll tell you at that moment, you are not living by the Spirit of God. And to help us understand, it's a growth thing. You, you may be experiencing love and joy, but you may be struggling in some of those other areas. So it's okay. That's part of growth. That's that the Spirit of God does a work in our life. But he says, but let's live by the Spirit and yield to the Spirit in our life. Now, there is a fourth area that I want to address, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. And it's, it's an unresolved chemical issue. I want to acknowledge the fact that there are some chemical reasons why anger tends to be more prevalent with some than others. Um, we, can, we can probably just name them off, right? Um, menopause, adolescence, puberty, puberty. <laughs> Did I mention? puberty. Um, Sometimes it's uh, certain drugs that we take, medications that we take that can have a chemical impact. Um, Anyone who's taking care of a loved one, Alzheimer's, dementia, all of those can have an impact and we need to, we need to be aware of that. The one thing I would caution about is that I think we're in a we're in a society that wants to name everything as so as to somehow excuse that behavior. And I would tell you that may, with that, with, with the exception of Alzheimer's and and um, and uh, dementia and any of those, because I think that's where you get very unusual behavior from individuals, and that's understandable. Normally, what we see is uncharacteristic anger. And I think that's the key word. It's uncharacteristic. But if you can think about chemical imbalances or issues, if you can think about it this way, is that let's imagine you have a very small fire and then you add gasoline to it. The small fire becomes a big fire, right? The chemical issue can be a a fuel. It It can be something. But there might still be a flame there that has to be dealt with. Because normally, what does he say in James? He says, the, it's the overflow. What, 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 it's the natural expression of a spring to kind of give the kind of water that's in it. So I would say this is that while we have to be aware of those issues, you still have to own the responsibility. For example, alcoholism, you can certainly tie it some are more predisposed uh, toward it than others, but that doesn't excuse the behavior. It just, ha- you have to mitigate and deal with those issues. okay so pastor phil you've made us aware of all these different kinds so so what are we stuck with this jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free and that when the sun sets you free you shall be free indeed and so what i want to do in these last minutes is walk you through some steps and some ways to diffuse anger but let me just share with you people generally don't change until they hurt enough that they want to or they're desperate enough that they have to or they understand enough that they want to and know how to and so notice what it says in james chapter 4 i stopped in verse 5 look what he says in verse 6 but he gives us more grace that is why scripture says god opposes the proud But he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. So the first thing that has to happen is you have to own it. You, you can't excuse anger and have freedom from anger at the same time. And owning it simply means I'm not going to make excuses. I can understand circumstances. But it's more than that. It means I'm really tired of being this way. I'm tired I don't like myself and I'm really tired of what this is doing to my relationships. And so, Lord, I really do, I I want freedom from this. Number two, confess it to the Lord. And I would encourage you to make it a verbal confession because verbal confession, not only is acknowledging it to the Lord and acknowledging it to ourselves, but what we're saying is, is Lord, I gotta be honest. I, I can't do this in my own strength. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. I will tell you that until you own it, until you acknowledge that you can't change this in your own strength, you will not have freedom. You can repress it. Don't don't get me wrong. You can repress it. That's how most Christians believe you deal with anger. You just stuff it real down deep within your soul. But anger will always find an expression in your life. It will always have an outward evidence. My brother-in-law is a plumber. And he said, Phil, water will always find a way and it will always win. You've got to deal with water. Your emotions will always find a way until you deal with them. Number three, ask for forgiveness. And by the way, ask the Lord for forgiveness and then ask for forgiveness to the persons that you have hurt. And by the way, that is not I'm sorry as soon as you blew up. It means intentionally go, talk to them, admit that you have been dealing with this, ask them for their forgiveness to extend grace to you. Why? Because not only does it invoke the grace of God, but now it brings consequences to your sinful behavior. I don't know about you. I don't particularly enjoy... Asking people for forgiveness. How many enjoy that? That's just a pleasant experience. Yeah, it's not. It's not fun. And so it helps bring a consequence on the other side. Number four, you got to deal with it. Whatever is, what is it? There's something there. If it's selfishness and pride, what do we do? Humble ourselves. If it is an out of control spirit, it is a surrendering of ourselves. It is an acknowledgement that I need the spirit of God to do a cleansing work in my life and moment by moment to control my actions, my speech, my language. If it's stored up stuff, I gotta deal with that. And if it takes a counselor to do it or it takes someone else to walk me through it, then that's what I gotta do because I gotta empty the tank. Number five, surrender. Submit yourself then to the Lord. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Come to a moment of desperation where you say, Lord, I... I can't do this. I give it to you. By the way, this is the step for every life-dominating thing in our life. It doesn't matter if it's drugs or alcohol or whether it's lust or whether it's it's uh, our words or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It always comes down to an issue of surrender. And then I would say the last one is practice it, which means what? Resist. You're going to notice that as you As you practice these things and as you give it to the Lord and as you invite Him into your relationship. By the way, when you pause just long enough to say, Lord, help me in this moment with my anger, you have paused just long enough for Him to slow down the ascent up the stairs. This does not have to own you. I promise you. I, I, to, uh, I, I, I told uh, years ago, I shared with the congregation, if there had been a cyclical area of my life that I've struggled with, it's this one. And what I realized is I'm not that alone because whether it be repressed or resentment, it, it's, it's prevalent. But I promise you, not perfect, but the Lord very quickly gets a hold of my spirit. And you can be free. So Father, I pray this morning. I could pray in so many different ways. But I pray for the one that right now the Spirit of God is shining a spotlight into their soul. And it is setting off little IEDs in their relationship that they keep dealing with. In fact, maybe, maybe there's a brokenness in relationship with their kids or parents because of this very thing in their life. Jesus, I want to ask your forgiveness. I realize I can't. um, This is a problem. And I can't do this in my own strength. Please forgive me for my selfishness and for holding on. You know, something that happened years ago that was somebody else's problem has now become my problem. And it's no longer their fault. It's really me. I, I need to deal with this. And so, Lord, I want to release this to you. I want to surrender myself to you. I want to ask you to enter into my emotions and bring healing. I, I want to give you all this junk in my anger tank. And the more I realize it's in there, I'm just going to keep giving it to you. I, just want, to, I want to release it to you because I want to be free today. But I want to be the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God. I I want to be so different that those that are near me and even maybe those relationships that have grown distant because of this, that they can be repaired and made new and whole. Free me, I pray, by Your grace. In Jesus' name,